0: Chapter 10 of Consuelo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Consuelo by George Sand. Chapter 10 On the eve of the important day, Antoletta found Consuelo's door closed and locked and after having waited for a quarter of an hour on the stairs, he finally obtained permission to see his friend in her festal attire, the effect of which she wished to try before him. She had on a handsome flowered muslin dress, a lace handkerchief, and powder. She was so much altered that Anzaletta was, for some moments, uncertain whether she had gained or lost by the change. The hesitation which Consuelo read in his eyes was as the stroke of a dagger to her heart. Ah, said she, I see very well that I do not please you. How can I hope to please a stranger when he who loves me sees nothing agreeable in my appearance? Wait a little, replied Anzoletto. I like your elegant figure in those long stays and the distinguished air which this lace gives you. The large folds of your petticoat suit you to admiration, but I regret your long black hair. However, it is the fashion, and tomorrow you must be a lady. And why must I be a lady? For my part, I hate this powder, which fades one and makes even the most beautiful grow old before her time. I have an artificial air under all these furbelows. In short, I am not satisfied with myself, and I see you are not so either. Oh, by the by, I was at rehearsal this morning and saw Clorinda, who also was trying on a new dress. She was so gay, so fearless, so handsome. Oh, she must be happy. You need not look twice at her to be sure of her beauty, that I feel afraid of appearing beside her before the count. You may be easy. "'The Count has seen her and has heard her, too. "'And did she sing badly? "'As she always does. "'Ah, my friend, these rivalries spoiled the disposition. "'A little while ago, "'if Clorinda, who is a good girl notwithstanding her vanity, "'had been spoken of unfavorably by a judge, "'I should have been sorry for her from the bottom of my heart. "'I should have shared her grief and humiliation.' And now I find myself rejoicing at it, to strive, to envy, to seek to injure each other, and all that for a man whom we do not love, whom we do not even know. I feel very low-spirited, my dear love, and it seems to me as if I were as much frightened by the idea of succeeding as by that of failing. It seems as if our happiness was coming to a close and that tomorrow after the trial, whatever may be the result, I shall return to this poor apartment a different person from what I have hitherto lived in it. Two large tears rolled down Consuelo's cheeks. What? Are you going to cry now? said Anzaletto. Do you think of what you are doing? You will dim your eyes and swell your eyelids. Your eyes, Consuelo, do not spoil your eyes. "'which are the most beautiful feature in your face.' "'Or rather the least ugly,' said she, "'wiping away her tears. "'Come, when we give ourselves up to the world, "'we have no longer any right to weep.' "'Her friend tried to console her, "'but she was exceedingly dejected all the rest of the day, "'and in the evening, as soon as she was alone, "'she carefully brushed out the powder, "'combed and smoothed her ebon hair,' tried on a little dress of black silk, still fresh and well preserved, which she usually wore on Sundays, and recovered some portion of her confidence on once more recognizing herself in her mirror. Then she prayed fervently and thought of her mother, until, melted to tears, she cried herself to sleep. When Anzaletto came to seek her the next day, in order to conduct her to the church, he found her seated before her spinet, dressed as for a holy day, and practicing her trial piece. What, cried he, your hair not dressed, not yet ready. It is almost the hour. What are you thinking of, Consuelo? My friend, answered she resolutely, my hair is dressed. I am ready. I am tranquil. I wish to go as I am. Those fine robes do not suit me. You like my black hair better than if it were covered with powder. This waste does not impede my breathing. Do not endeavor to change my resolution. I have made up my mind. I have prayed to God to direct me and my mother to watch over my conduct. God has directed me to be modest and simple. My mother has visited me in my dreams, and she said what she has always said to me. Try to sing well. Providence will do the rest. I saw her take my fine dress, my laces, and my ribbons and arrange them in the wardrobe and then she put my black frock and my mantilla of muslin on the chair at the side of my bed. As soon as I awoke I put past my costume as she had done in the dream and I put on the black frock and mantilla which you see. "'I feel more courage since I have renounced the idea "'of pleasing by means which I do not know how to use. "'Now hear my voice. "'Everything depends on that, you know.' "'She sounded a note. "'Just heavens, we are lost,' cried Anzaletto. "'Your voice is husky and your eyes are red. "'You have been weeping yesterday evening, Consuelo. Here's a fine business. "'I tell you, we are lost.' You are foolish to dress yourself in mourning on a holy day. It brings bad luck and makes you ugly. Now, quick, quick, put on your beautiful dress while I go and buy you some rouge. You are as pale as a specter. This gave rise to a lively discussion between them. Anzoletta was a little rude. The poor girl's mind was again agitated, and her tears flowed afresh. Anzaletta was irritated still more, and in the midst of their debate, the hour struck, the fatal hour, a quarter before two, just time enough to run to the church and reach it out of breath. Anzaletta cursed and swore. Consuelo, pale and trembling as the star of the morning which mirrors itself in the bosom of the lagoons, looked, for the last time, into her little broken mirror. Then, turning, she threw herself impetuously into Anzaletto's arms. "Oh, my friend,' cried she, "'do not scold me, do not curse me. On the contrary, press me to your heart, and drive from my cheek this death-like paleness. May your kiss be as the fire from the altar upon the lips of Isaiah, and may God not punish us by having doubted his assistance.' Then she hastily threw her mantilla over her head, took the music in her hand, and dragging her dispirited lover after her, ran toward the church of the Mendicanti, where the crowd had already assembled to hear the magnificent music of Porpora. Anzaletta, more dead than alive, proceeded to join the count, who had appointed to meet him in his gallery, and Consuelo mounted to the organ loft, where the choir was already arranged, and the professor seated before his desk. Consuelo did not know that the gallery of the Count was so situated as to command a full view of the organ loft, that he already had his eyes fixed upon her, and did not lose one of her movements. But he could not as yet distinguish her features, for she knelt on arriving, hid her face in her hands, and began to pray with fervent devotion. My God, said she, in the depths of her heart, thou knowest that I do not ask thee to raise me above my rivals in order to abase them. Thou knowest that I do not wish to give myself to the world and to profane arts in order to abandon thy love and to lose myself in the paths of vice. Thou knowest that pride does not swell my soul, and that it is in order to live with him Whom my mother permitted me to love Never to separate myself from him To ensure his enjoyment and happiness That I ask thee to sustain me And to ennoble my voice And my thoughts when I shall sing thy praise When the first sound of the orchestra Called Consuelo to her place She rose slowly Her mantilla fell from her shoulders And her face was at length visible to the impatient and restless spectators in the neighboring tribune. But what marvelous change is here in this young girl, just now so pale, so cast down, so overwhelmed by fatigue and fear. The ether of heaven seemed to bedew her lofty forehead, while a gentle languor was diffused over the noble and graceful outlines of her figure. Her tranquil countenance, expressed none of those petty passions which seek, and as it were exact, applause. There was something about her, solemn, mysterious, and elevated, at once lovely and effective. "'Courage, my daughter,' said the professor in a low voice. "'You are about to sing the music of a great master, and he is here to listen to you.' "'Who, Marcello?' said Consuelo, seeing the professor." lay the hymns of Marcello open on the desk. Yes, Marcello, replied he. Sing as usual, nothing more and nothing less, and all will be well. Marcello, then in the last year of his life, had in fact come once again to revisit Venice, his birthplace, where he had gained renown as composer, as writer, and as magistrate. He had been full of courtesy toward Porpora, who had requested him to be present in his school, intending to surprise him with the performance of Consuelo, who knew his magnificent, I. G. L. E. immensi Narano, by heart. Nothing could be better adapted to the religious glow that now animated the heart of this noble girl. So soon as the first words of this lofty and brilliant production shone before her eyes, she felt as if wafted into another sphere. Forgetting Count Zustiniani. Forgetting the spiteful glances of her rivals. Forgetting even Anzaletto. She thought only of God and of Marcello, who seemed to interpret those wondrous regions whose glory she was about to celebrate. What subject so beautiful? What conceptions so elevated? Icchielli e Immensi e Narano. del grande idio la gloria firmamento lucido all universo annuncia quanto Siena miraboli della le opere a divine glow overspread her features and the sacred fire of genius darted from her large black eyes as the vaulted roof rang with that unequaled voice and with those lofty accents which could only proceed from an elevated intellect joined, to a good heart. After he had listened for a few instants, a torrent of delicious tears streamed from Marcello's eyes. The Count, unable to restrain his emotion, exclaimed, By the holy Rood, this woman is beautiful. She is Santa Cecilia, Santa Teresa, Santa Consuelo. She is poetry. She is music. She is faith personified. As for Anzaletto, who had risen, and whose trembling knees barely sufficed to sustain him with the aid of his hands, which clung convulsively to the grating of the tribune. He fell back upon his seat, ready to swoon, intoxicated with pride and joy. It required all the respect due to the locality, to prevent the numerous dilettanti in the crowd from bursting into applause as if they had been in the theater. The Count would not wait till the close of the service— "'to express his enthusiasm to Porpora and Consuela. "'She was obliged to repair to the tribune of the Count "'to receive the thanks and gratitude of Marcello. "'She found him so much agitated as to be hardly able to speak. "'My daughter,' said he, with a broken voice, "'receive the blessing of a dying man. "'You have caused me to forget for an instant "'the mortal sufferings of many years.' A miracle seems exerted in my behalf, and the unrelenting, frightful malady appears to have fled forever at the sound of your voice. If the angels above sing like you, I shall long to quit the world in order to enjoy that happiness which you have made known to me. Blessings, then, be on you, O my child, and may your earthly happiness correspond with your deserts. I have heard Castina. Nina, Cusone, and the rest, but they are not to be named along with you. It is reserved for you to let the world hear what it has never yet heard, and to make it feel what no man has ever yet felt. Consuelo, overwhelmed by this magnificent eulogium, bowed her head, and almost bending to the ground, kissed, without being able to utter a word, the livid fingers of the dying man. Then rising, She cast a look upon Anzaletto, which seemed to say, Ungrateful one, you knew not what I was. End of chapter 10